From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The annual Labor Day picnic was yesterday at Sandy Beach. Rodney Hessen talked about how they celebrated. Labor Day picnic is put on every year by our Juno Central Labor Council. That's council made up of pretty much all the unions, public and private. I'm with IBEW Local 1547, that's the electrical workers. I'm also the president of the Juno Building Trades, which is another little subset with just the building trades. Do this thing, sort of celebrate and let everybody know we're community members and we love it here and we like to feed everybody. Hessen said why Labor Day is important to him. Labor Day is our day. We're labor. We're the workforce. We're union hands. We acknowledge all working people, right? So we bargain our contracts for higher wages for our members and ends up, I think, affecting everybody else out there, right? All the rest of the workforces. Hessen added that they need more workers and to reach out. Anybody interested in any kind of apprenticeship program, contact the local union that represents that trade because there is a big manpower need right now and we cannot afford to not have trained workers for all of the infrastructure money that's going to be coming to this state as well as all the other 50 states. So we'd like to train up the future workforce. Member of the IBEW Local 1547, Rodney Hessen. Meteorologist Brian Caffrey with the Alaska National Weather Service, Juno summarized August's weather report. August was uh, kind of the tale of two ends of the panhandle. The northern panhandle had above-normal rainfall for the month of August, generally about two inches above normal, and the southern panhandle was drier with generally two to three inches below normal precipitation for the month. And that also resulted in warmer temperatures over the southern panhandle. Although the northern panhandle also saw above normal temperatures, but that was mainly due to low temperatures remaining warm in the cloudy and rainy weather we experienced. Caffrey said why Juno saw warmer weather. That's because the overnight low temperatures were above normal, so we had many nights where we didn't drop below the mid-50s or even the upper 50s, so that helped average temperatures remain above normal for Juno for the month. Caffrey said while Juno didn't set a monthly record, it set a new daily record. For the month, no, but we did have a daily record on the 29th of August of 2.28 inches, which was an inch over the previous record rainfall. He also said it was the ninth wettest August for Juno. Yeah, Juno, it was the ninth wettest. Normally we get about six and a half inches of rainfall, and we had over nine for the month of August. Caffrey said what to expect going into fall. Climate Prediction Center three-month outlook has a equal chance for above, below, and normal temperatures for the fall season, and it's looking same for precipitation, equal chances of above normal, below normal, or normal values, so... No real strong signals on anything climatologically heading into the fall season. Caffrey said, although we aren't exactly sure what to expect, we can begin to prepare for the fall weather. Summer's coming to an end and prepare for shorter days, cooler, wetter weather. Weather Service meteorologist Brian Caffrey. A big boost to mariculture in Alaska? It's historic in every sense. It is epic. It is amazing. That was Southeast Conference Executive Director Robert Venables reacting to the announcement by the U.S. Department of Commerce's Economic Development Administration 
that the Alaska Mariculture Cluster will receive $49 million in grant funding. Venable said the support for Alaska Mariculture goes outside the federal grant. It's, uh, that $49 million is huge, but also what it does not reference is the uh, increment of in-kind commitment and cash that has come in from some of our partners that is actually making this a $64 million uh, program. So it is just uh, just an, an amazing opportunity to take a number of, of scattered small businesses and actually make an, an industry out of them. The grant came after a selection process and where over 500 regional projects across the country competed in the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. We have about 12 core coalition members and another couple dozen partners that uh, were helping us put this application together, and they go all across coastal uh, Alaska from the uh, the lower Ketchikan, Sacks, Metlakatla area, all the way through southeast through Prince William Sound, uh, the Kenai Peninsula, Kodiak, and on out the chain uh, to the Aleutians. So that southern coastal region uh, is the geographic footprint for this project. The Alaska Mariculture Cluster, led by the Southeast Conference and its partners, will support the region's growing mariculture industry and ensure it provides shellfish and seaweed for the long-term benefit of Alaska's economy, environment, and communities. According to a release, projects include the the creation of a revolving loan fund to provide funding for local businesses to grow, development of mariculture-focused workforce training programs, and research support to grow innovative seaweed and shellfish products. The University of Alaska Southeast announced that the 2022-23 One Campus, One Book selection is Eat Like a Fish by Bren Smith, public services librarian at Egan Library, Jonas Lamb, explained the One Campus, One Book program. It's the best practice of uh, like first-year experience programs at universities. It's a way to have new students kind of have some common conversations or, to sound a little hopeful, to start on the same page. Uh, so we select a, a book. We provide free copies for all new students. And then we also try to provide opportunities for uh, community members to participate, uh, whether it's getting additional books in the local libraries uh, or providing free copies in uh, community accessible areas. Lamb provided details about the selected book. We selected the book, uh, Eat Like a Fish, My Adventures Farming the Ocean to Fight Climate Change by Bren Smith, uh, who is an American that grew up in Newfoundland and spent his early years as a commercial fisherman fishing you know, in the North Atlantic and all the way up to Alaska and the Bering Sea before kind of becoming a little disenfranchised with the way that industry was plundering the ocean at that time. Uh, this book was recommended by a uh, staff member on campus a few years back. Around that time, Mariculture was, uh, the conversations about Mariculture were really picking up in Alaska. All new university students will receive a complimentary copy, and additional library copies are available at Egan Library and others. In addition, Complimentary copies will be available for anyone at locations throughout Juneau, Zitka, Ketchikan, soon, thanks to funding from the Alaska State Library. 
The first in a series of forums for the top candidates for Alaska governor was held Thursday in Anchorage. The forum, which was held at the Denina Civic and Convention Center, featured Governor Mike Dunleavy, former Representative Les Gara, and former Governor Bill Walker. Absent from the forum was Charlie Pierce, who recently resigned as mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough to focus on the race for governor. Governor Dunleavy was asked about carbon sequestration. It's a huge opportunity. Carbon is now a commodity to be monetized. You speak with the Japanese, they feel the same way. Investors down south, they feel the same way. Uh, states like California feel the same way. So in terms of sequestering in our, our basins, such as cooking, like tremendous opportunity. 50 gigatons of carbon is the discussion that's happening now. Sequestering carbon on the slope, obvious. That's a, that, that's a winner down the road as well. Gara saying... That's a tremendous opportunity that this governor's had four years to exercise and act on, and he's done nothing. So it is opportunity, but when you're governor, you should actually act and do the job. Um, look, carbon sequestration, it, it's a long word. It's, it's the way we address global warming in this world. If you don't believe in global warming, I think you disagree with the newer generation who understands that's an existential threat to the people of this world. Walker said putting gas back into the ground is a good idea. No question, monetizing our, our vast resources of stranded gas, the largest stranded gas in North America, if not the world, would be, be a tremendous, tremendous carbon sequestration uh, by doing that. You know, our, our gas has been coming out with oil since uh, first oil came out in, in 76, and uh, it's been uh, being put back in the ground. You know, so when, when the gas comes out with the oil and the gas goes back in, we put the gas into, into a piece of pipe or off, offshore, off to, on, on, uh, offshore from Point Thompson. You know, there's, there's multiple ways we can do that, but in, in the process, we're putting the carbon back into the ground. The forum was the first of at least five forums to be held before the November general election. Meanwhile, Governor Dunleavy reacted to the ranked choice voting process while a guest on Action Line. We're still in the middle of it, guys. Um, you know, this has just started. And so I think we'll all be doing a, a post-mortem or, you know, post-game on how this thing went, what were the issues, what were the holes, et cetera. Um, you know, as we know, it was passed by the people of Alaska. I think it passed by 4,000 votes, roughly. So it, it was somewhat it was somewhat a thin margin, but nonetheless, as Nancy said, it is um, it is a law. It's what we're operating under, and we'll we'll see. We'll see how it works out. We'll see if um, there's any holes that uh, need uh, needs to be discussed and dealt with. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy. A fun run was held on Saturday morning. Maddie Grimes, the director of Juno Family Center, talked about the event. Our fun run is going to be, there's a one-mile walk, so you can start at the birth center and walk out half a mile and then walk back, and then there's going to be a five-mile run. So that's from the birth center up to the pump house at Salmon Creek Dam Trail, and then back. Teens and adults were $20 and kids were free. Grimes talked about how the fundraiser helps. This is a fundraiser, so the Juno Family Birth Center is a practice that provides prenatal care to folks from conception through six weeks postpartum. And one of our programs that we have under that nonprofit is a donated healthcare program. So for folks who don't have insurance or who have just like catastrophe insurance, they have the opportunity to apply into the donated healthcare fund. So all of the funds that come through this fundraiser today will go into that fund for other people. Juno Family Birth Center's Maddie Grimes. Emily Wall unveiled her book, Breaking into Air, a poetry collection of the community's birth stories on Sunday afternoon. Wall said what inspired her to embark on the project. 
So this book is a 10-year labor of love. Right after my third daughter was born, who's here today, hi Lucy, um, I was thinking a lot about birth stories, and I think it's a natural situation for mothers to hear a lot of birth stories. But I realized that it was uh, only women in those conversations, and it was kind of this like whispered thing. And I was thinking, why is this such a hush thing? The work that our bodies do is incredible. While we'll explain the process of collecting stories, so all of these were collected, and they came to me in all forms, through Facebook messaging, people called me, one person handed me her spiral notebook, and I crafted poems using those stories with their permission, and then I gave them back the poems and said, how do you feel about this? And sometimes we collaborated a little bit more. And spoke to the theme. It's one of the recurring themes in this book for me, hearing people's stories, was women knowing exactly what to do. That story, of course, and, the, and Hazel's are beautiful. Not all the stories in here are happy. But it was important to me to collect some stories from births that did not go well or women who had lost babies. Those are also births. Emily Wall. It was missed, Harvest Festival, and it's... It's missed by especially the gardeners just to be able to contribute in produce or just show off their plots. This is like a great day. That was Bob Trusill, who is in charge of the farmer's market at the Juneau Community Garden. It was the 28th Harvest Fair. After being put on hold for two years during the pandemic, it took place Saturday. Trusill talked about his family's passion for gardening. He said they had been doing the farmer's market for eight or nine years. We've been doing it as a family since the kids could do it, pretty much. Time goes on, find their specialty. You know, one girl will be great at radishes, which isn't that really hard to do, but it's fun. And, and one girl is uh, really into turnips, and she likes to grow turnips. <laughs> and that's fun, so it keeps something in the family that we can do together. And... Pat McClare announced the Harvest Fair 2022 winners. The youth winners were... So for her cabbage, best of division, Evelyn Hotstogger. Evelyn, don't go far, because you also got best of division for your carrots. Evelyn also got best of division harvest baskets. I also have Hannah Dolan as best of division for flowers. And the adult winners were... For the Harvest Grand Fit Champions for Adults... We'll start with Doug Edgar for his celery. Kim Kiefer won for her largest and unusual pumpkin. Heather Miller, you have best of herbs, which is tarragon. For fruits, best of division, Odette Edgar won for her raspberries. For the table arrangement, Cynthia won for the best flowers. For mixed berries, Paul D. So best of division A through D and F through G, Doug Edgar for his celery. Best division E, harvest basket, Kim Garnu won hers for her vegetable harvest basket. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.